Hey, I'm Kelly Hausman. I'm a licensed therapist and a mom, and I'm trying to figure out this whole life thing right alongside you. I'm taking my unique approach to therapy, where we laugh a lot, we cry a lot, we talk about anything and everything, right from my couch to your car, or wherever you might be listening from. Hey, no appointment or copay is required. We're gonna have some experts in their fields giving us advice about how they got to where they are, the lessons they've learned along the way, and things that we can all add to our lives to make it more enriched. My goal is to help you to get advice, to be inspired, and get a much needed break from reality. So take a seat, your session is about to begin. Welcome to this week's episode of Kelly's Reality. Today, my guest is someone with an incredible story, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear all about it, Brandy Benson. She's an author of the book, The Enemy Inside Me, a motivational speaker, veteran, cancer survivor, and a brand ambassador for the Sarcoma Alliance. Brandy, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, and thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this talk for a couple of weeks. So I'm really excited to get to know each other via uh, e, e, what is digital? Yes, yes. I know one of these days I have family in Florida, so I'm going to get down there and come visit you in person. Oh my God, that would be amazing. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, yes, I miss social interaction. It's It's been a tough year for a lot of us. But thank goodness there is like Zoom or yeah. to, to see each other and to converse. For sure. Now, you truly have an incredible story, a survivor story, a very unique story. And I could sit here and, and spit out your bio, but I would love for you to share a little bit about your background and how you were diagnosed with cancer and also being an army vet and kind of if you can just give us a little bit of your background so we can get to know you a little bit better. Of course. So I um, was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma cancer in 2009. I was originally deployed in Iraq when I first discovered the tumor. Um, and I went from Iraq to Baghdad to Germany and then back to the States. And I was at Walter Reed where I ultimately got diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma cancer. Um, so that's where everything really just changed for me. I was 24 years old when I got diagnosed and had the uh, Ewing sarcoma cancer. And I really didn't even know that it was possible to get cancer anywhere but like brain cancer, breast mm -hmm. cancer, throat cancer, you know, stomach cancer, all these other cancers that that are around that you're very um, aware of because it's, you know, it's all over the news, it's on TV. Mm -hmm. So when I had it in my leg, originally I thought maybe I had like pulled a muscle or something or um, maybe it was like some sort of reaction that I was having because I think like a couple of days before I had purchased a new blanket from one of these little areas, it was called the North Gate in, on, our, on our FOB. And I, you know, got the blanket. And I thought maybe something was on the blanket. Maybe I got, I don't know. It was just, I was trying to like put all the pieces together because I didn't know you could get cancer in your leg or mm -hmm. in your arm or anywhere, but like the normal places that are. Yeah. Um, so when I got it, I was in total shock. I, I couldn't believe it. Um, I didn't even know what a tumor was mm -hmm. in the beginning. I'd never met anybody with a tumor. I just... I also thought that people that did get cancer were those who had really poor habits, like mm -hmm. they smoke a lot, they drank a lot, they did drugs, you know, they were they didn't have an active lifestyle. So I just didn't feel like I fit the bill personally to be somebody who would be sick with cancer. And then with that said, 
I've learned that cancer is like an aimless bullet with anybody's name on it. You never know when it's going to happen to you, your family. You know, it's just like at any moment, you just have to be ready and then have the tools for early detection. And so my job now is to spread awareness about Ewing sarcoma or sarcoma in general, because it is all about early detection. The sooner you discover this, the better chances you have at um, your survival rate. Yes. And what I know you do a lot of speaking about surviving and, and PTSD, and this is an incredibly traumatic experience to be diagnosed with something. Uh, first of all, how is your health now? I am doing really well, actually. I'm doing, I'm very, very healthy. I've made it past my five-year mark. Wow. So with sarcoma cancer, you typically, a lot of people don't make it past their five years. Wow. Um, yeah, so oh my gosh. to get the cancer, and if you beat it in the first year, your chances of it resurfacing and coming somewhere else are very, very high because mm -hmm. it's very rare. It's really aggressive and it kind of just metastasizes all over the place in the body. Um, so when I made it to my sixth year, I was like really excited. You know, I made it. Mm -hmm. And years later, I've made it to my 13th year, but I'm definitely more conscious of what I'm eating. Mm -hmm. I'm um, uh, aware of like my stress levels because I know stress plays a huge, huge role on your immune system. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just really conscious and aware of what I'm doing to my body, what I'm exposing myself to, mm -hmm. and um, uh, what I'm paying attention to as well, because that also causes a lot of stress. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And how did you even wrap your head around? Again, you're probably in the best shape of your life, embarking to serve your country. You get this horrific diagnosis. Yes. How did you wrap your head around that? And then who or what helped you get through the diagnosis and just um, make it through? I really didn't. It didn't. So everything that happened happened really, really, really fast. So mm -hmm. I was experiencing like extreme fatigue in December 2008. Mm -hmm. So every day I felt like I had drank like so many not like bottles of NyQuil or took a lot of Benadryl. Like I was groggy. I was tired. Mm -hmm. I was lethargic. Just nothing would get me up no matter how much rest I got. So that initially was the very like turning point, like realizing that something was wrong there. So after um, in December, I'm sorry, in January, that's when the tumor kind of popped up out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. I had had it for maybe three weeks. So it was literally the size of a, like a small peach wow. in my adductor muscle. And I could only see it if I lifted up my left leg and I put it, put my leg to my chest as if I was stretching. And that's what I was doing. And I saw like a lump protruding out of my leg. And that's when I kind of noticed, oh, something's going on, something's wrong. But none of it really made any sense in it. And it didn't really dwell and really hit home until after I got the biopsies and the doctors were then telling me that it's Ewing sarcoma cancer. Um, and I and because it all happened within a month time frame. So one month I'm literally health well, healthy. I didn't know I had cancer. I'm like healthy and well. And then about four weeks later, I'm sick with cancer. So it all happened super fast, just out of nowhere. So I didn't have time to like grasp on this new reality or what was really happening. I didn't have time to digest what was going on and how I was really feeling because it was happening so quickly. It was just like being on a roller coaster ride and just zooming through it super fast. Mm -hmm. I had no time to like register, okay, you know, to be home and be like, okay, um, this is what's happening to me. This is what's going to happen. This is what I got to look forward to. It was just moving so quickly. Mm -hmm. And then on TV, not TV, but on... Um, on the um, on the internet, when I read about it, it just said terrible things. The mm -hmm. prognosis is super bad. 
you, I'll get my leg cut off. Um, you know, it's going to spread to my spinal cord, to my to my brainstem, to my lungs. So I was really just shocked about it. I didn't know if it was normal. I didn't know, you know, what to expect. No one I knew had you in sarcoma. I had no answers for anything. Yeah. Um, but my mother ended up quitting her job, moving from Texas, and come and, and she stayed with me the entire duration of my my treatment. Um, so she was a huge, huge, huge portion of my survival and my recovery. And she was just there for me emotionally, physically, you know, mentally, just really helping me be okay. So she literally quit her job, moved to be with me, I know. And she didn't know if she was going to have a, a place to um, sleep, food to have, any anything at all. Um, but luckily, the, the Army provided her a stipend. And she was able to be my non-medical attendant. We put her in a hot in a uh, hotel, and she took care of me from there. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh my I gosh, know. gotta love moms, you know. I know, I know. Every time I think about it, it always makes me want to cry. But I had makeup on, so we're not. Yes, yes. <laughs> gotta look good for the video, but that's incredible. Um, and so then, what did you do? You know, after your treatment, you're in recovery. Did it change your whole outlook on life and what you wanted to do with that? Oh, of course, of course. I remember I kept saying, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know what, like what the steps are, but I kept, you know, my mom and I would always be talking back and forth. I'm telling you that, you know, I want to live of course, and I don't know how I'm going to make it past these, you know, these, these 10 months or this, this regiment. Um, but somehow, some way I'm going to be a miracle story. I'm going to be able to, to tell people about what happened. I'm going to be able to look death right in the face and beat it. And, um, let people know that we there's all types of adversity and with cancer it really truly strips your strength away and then all you have is your mental capability and your mental health and your mental strength yep. so to be mentally strong like try to prepare you prepare yourself and to know that adversity is always going to be there but as long as you're mentally strong and you have a goal or you have um, an end mind of something that you want mm -hmm. to achieve that you can you can definitely do that because if your mind is still working your body has no choice but to continue you know to be there um so that was a you know that was just really really great of my mom to always be a reinforcement for me just to keep pushing and keep going and mm -hmm. and knowing that everything's going to be okay and that reminds me of something i read on your website you love the term uh positive persistence and that sounds kind of like your mantra these days um can you explain what does positive persistence mean to you you have to be constantly thinking of what you want your life to be like um, in a positive manner because, and I don't want to get up scientific and stuff, but all the research I have done, our thoughts can be registered, they can be measured, and everything has a frequency. And our bodies are made up of tons of water and tons of um, energy, you know, and cells, and there's a lot of attraction and like attracts like and all of that. So if you're able to constantly, um, be projecting or speaking happy thoughts or things that aren't ill will towards you or towards anybody, you can manifest and create that environment that is that you want. So I feel like it's extremely important to focus on the good of what you want, or the, the things that you want to happen in your life or that make you happy, that bring you joy versus the things that make you feel bad or sad or depressed. It's good to acknowledge those things that yes, you're going through this really hard time. However, you shouldn't be staying in that state forever. There should be an end date, you know, acknowledge it, understand it, learn from it, apply those new tools to have a better, better life in the future. Yeah. I love that. 
And, you know, it's not as simple as, oh, just put a smile on and everything's fine. You're right. I love how you said you have to feel the feelings. Yes. That's I tell my clients that all the time. Feel sad, feel nervous, breathe through it. And then, like you said, how, how am I going to get through this? I'm not going to stay in this feeling forever. I'm going to push through this. And that's that's what I try to teach people to do. So I love that you were able to do that. It's so, so, so important. And I think if people could just understand that they have the capability to change it, to change your mind frame, and that will give you better feelings and release dopamine and make you feel happy and good, then that will change your life into something positive or make you proud of something. Or, But if you want to be depressed and unhappy, then that's what you're focused on. But if that's right. not your focus, you need to be bringing in better things and doing things that bring you pleasure or hanging out with people that bring you pleasure. You know, so just think it's so important to constantly be focused on the better side of things than always so upset and griping about what's in the past or what can't be changed and, you know, things like that. And what advice would you have for someone that's going through a really low point right now, whether they just got diagnosed with something or perhaps, you know, we're in the pandemic, maybe they lost a family member or their job and they're feeling really hopeless and scared about the future. What would you say to them? So what I've learned with having cancer is that, again, we're all going to be facing some sort of adversity. It could be bad relationships. It could be bad health. It could be um, a job that you're not happy in. Whatever it is that's not bringing you your full fulfillment of happiness, that we should not make permanent decisions off of temporary situations, circumstances, events, or, or, um, or feelings, because you don't want to set yourself up for failure. Yes, you might be feeling this way for now, but this is not a forever situation. There's going to be roads and avenues that are going to be able to pull you out of that and to make a harsh judgment or um, a, uh, um, a or not non-rational judgment or event or um, situation that will hinder you in the future is not good. So I always tell people, don't make any permanent decisions off of temporary situations, circumstances, and events because that's not going to help you in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what I think a lot of people lose sight of is they kind of fortune tell the future, but we don't know what it holds, you know, and it's, and I love how you're saying, look towards the future. This is a temporary feeling. I'll mm -hmm. often say to my clients, it's like when you're laying on the grass, looking at the clouds, they, they float by, they pass by eventually that's how life works. Things flow by that you get through them. They pass. This too right. shall pass. And right. so I love how you say it. You're not stuck in this moment forever. It can get better in the future and it, it likely will. Right. And it's also another good example is somebody who has a bank account that's not as great as they would like it to. It might be in the negatives. Mm -hmm. Those are the past situations, circumstances, and events that you, you uh, helped create and foster. Today, you can change that. You can make that something different. You can turn it into a positive. It can now have, um, it could be a surplus of something as long as you're creating that. You don't have to continuously focus on the, the bad portion of what your past experiences and, and uh, choices were. Yeah. So you can always change that bank account to something better. I love that. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I love that I read on your website, and it's also the title of your book, is beating the enemy inside you, which I think is so, I mean, everyone can relate to that. A lot of times we feel like our worst competition is, you know, someone trying to do the same thing or it's external, but you're absolutely right. Um, that enemy inside of us, that self-doubt, that that not feeling good enough, that's that's the real dream killer. Um, so tell us a little bit about your book and, and your philosophy on that enemy that's living within us. Yeah, so my book is called The Enemy Inside Me. 
And the enemy inside of me is definitely like a play up of words because I was in Iraq and the enemy and you're mm-hmm. an enemy. So I went to Iraq to fight for our country, to def- you know defend our country from the enemies that were outside. And then I came back home on homeland, home soil to now defeat an enemy that's within my body, trying to consume me and you know take my life over, which was cancer. So the enemy really is a metaphor for adversity. It could be again, bad relationships, it could be bad choices, it could be drug addictions, whatever it is that's not allowing you to be the best version of yourself, your elite version of you. So whatever is hindering you is your enemy. So whatever that looks like, that's your enemy. And then being able to have the tools and resources to recognize what is going on. Why aren't you able to make it past these these bumps in the road? And like, um, how can you how can you capitalize on that? How can you make these disadvantages work for you in the future? Um, so that's what the enemy inside you is, and uh, that's what the book was. Wonderful. And if people are interested in reading your book, where can they find it? Yes, you can find my book on www.brandylbenson.com and Brandy with an I. Okay, excellent. Mm -hmm. Um, Questions that I always ask every guest. What do you do behind the scenes to make sure your mental health is at the best that it can be? I do a lot of working out. I, I also, I learned that Social media isn't always very healthy for people. So you'll only see the good. Yep. No really posts when they're down or when they're not happy or when they failed or when they pitched themselves to a company and then they got shot down. Mm-hmm. So what we see on social media is not all what's really happening. So I remember, like, not remember, but I would find myself measure, trying to measure myself up to different people and trying to yeah. say, okay, well, you know, if this person's been in this business for that long, how come I'm not where she's at? How come I'm not getting these these leads or these um, these bids on these contracts? Mm-hmm. And this person probably has gone through millions of fails and millions of no's, and now mm-hmm. they're finally getting this yes. So I feel like it's so important for anybody, and especially me, to not have to try to live up to everybody else's expectations, to make my own goals mm-hmm. and and um, make my own uh, footprints into what I'm trying to do and make it authentic to me and not trying to live up to the status quo is so important. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly trying to just remind myself sometimes that it does take time to get to where I'm trying to be and my goals and trying to accomplish them. Um, so just being mindful of that. So like mental health is mm-hmm. super important and mm-hmm. not getting upset about um not being where I think I should have been or, you know, just enjoying the journey and learn and being able to also help others as well. So if I have like a, a podcast and I'm on with somebody, I always make sure I ask, well, what kind of guests are you looking for? And if I think that somebody might be a good fit, like I will pitch my friend or help out. Or I just feel like right now it's just also building people up and then uh, making like my own path and helping people as I, as I go along. Yeah. I'll, I feel like we're, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. I'm totally with you. I talk a lot about social media. I love it too. It's a great escape. It's allowed me to meet some cool people. Like we met on there. Yeah. I know it's a bad rap a lot, but, um, and I love how you said it's that human connection. It's supporting other people. There's so much competition and a lot of people are afraid to collaborate and work together because, Oh no, you know, they might be doing better than me or I don't want to compete 
them. But I found so many times, if you just talk to people and work with people and make those connections, like that's what life is really about. It's not about clawing your way to the top. It's about people. Right. It is. And the more help or the more teamwork you can, you can conquer so much more working together versus one person because individual can come up with different ideas and concepts. But if you have multiple ideas and multiple diversity inclusion, then you will have a more prosperous, um, successful campaign or job Mm -hmm. situation. Yep. Yeah. Just a a more successful, I think more value to life as well. And, and speaking about life, I've found that most people kind of float through life and I know it's morbid, but they don't really realize that this will all end one day and that they will die. And so they live like they're going to last forever. And I'm wondering, has having a huge health scare, has having cancer changed how you appreciate uh, just being alive each day? Yes, it really has. And so growing up, I've I've always been so scared of death. Like, I think that is the scariest thing in the world to me. Mm-hmm. The most scariest because it's like it's forever. And yeah. I really, I've never met anybody who's come back from the dead and was like, you know what? It's not as bad as you think. Like, no one has ever come back and told me that. So I yeah. am petrified of death. I do not want to die. So mm-hmm. now I'm like, oh my God, you know, like I've, I've looked at it straight in the face and I beat it and uh, I, I made a promise to myself that if I was able to live and have a second chance at life that I was gonna make it way more meaningful. Not that it wasn't before, but I wasn't helping as many people. I felt like I wasn't being um, as involved in my community. I wasn't giving back, I feel like enough in helping foster this world and make it a better place for the people in the future and for the kids and the children, you know, and everybody else. But now I'm definitely, um, I, you know, I have different <clears throat> free resources I give with resumes as I own an um, employment service company, you know, helping other people with that. I'll, um, you know, uh, volunteer my time with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. I have um, helping out as a brand ambassador for, for the Sarcoma Alliance. I just feel like I need to be able to give back and do something instead of just like existing in the world and not making any part of positive change. Yeah. Gosh, it's almost, it's like that song, uh, what is it, Tim McGraw's, Live Like You Were Dying. You know, if, if only everyone could kind of, as horrific of an experience as it was for you, it's, you know, you kind of look at it like, wow, I have the second chance at life. I'm going to do something with it. And I only wish that people could have that attitude every day, you know, do something with it. Life is precious. It is so precious. Have you had any scary calls before at all? Not personally. My mother has battled cancer. Um, and that kind of was a life-changing moment for me. Like, yeah, people we love could be taken. And, um, I've always really tried to live with a lot of gratitude, really and, and, yeah, again, I, I try to remind myself again, like this will end. This doesn't last forever. We have to kind of do the best we can now and just really appreciate that. It's so important. And to live in the moment. And the, even the times that are hard, or sad, or something's going on, of course, I remind, remind myself that it's not going to be forever. But I also like acknowledge it like, okay, cool. I'm glad I can feel these feelings. Like, mm-hmm. I know what good and happy feel like. And, and I'm a human, and it's okay to feel these emotions because one day, I'm not going to be here. Right. Yes. Yeah. So we got to kind of live it up now and, and just do, do what we can do. Um, and it's interesting. I had a conversation with my friend and we were kind of torn because we were saying is the point of life to really like live a legacy and live every day. Like you were dying, which is kind of what I had taken this side of. And she had taken the other side where it was, 
no, I don't really think that you should. I think you should just live life how you want. You shouldn't feel pressure to leave a legacy or to do something great. Um, where do you fall on those lines? I'm going to leave a legacy. I yeah, want to, I want to, I want to move mountains. I want to pave ways. I want to create a foundation where other people can say, Oh my God, look what she did and look where she came from. And mm -hmm. then like, if she can do it, I can do it. Wow. I want to give people wow. hope. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I, I just feel like that's so huge to be able to, to be remembered for something amazing. Yeah. Something great. You are on your way. You are already there. I know you are inspiring so many people and just doing amazing things. Uh, final question for you. What's the best life advice someone's given you or kind of like the mantra that you like to live by? Um, the best life advice. Um, gosh, there's so many different things. So there's one quote that's really great. It's by Corey Hicks. Uh, he says, you can't be both pitiful and powerful in the same body. You must choose, choose one. Mm -hmm. So I choose powerful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love it's that. My favorite, favorite quote. So you can't embody them both. You have to pick one of them. Don't, don't sulk and, and be all upset and mad about something. And at the same time, you're trying to, you know, have these great aspirations and dreams, but you're, it's not lining up correctly. You have to choose mm -hmm. one or the other. So yeah. that's my, that's probably my most favorite and powerful quote. Yeah. And we were talking about legacies. What would you like your legacy to be? Hmm. My legacy. Um, I'm really hoping to one day open up a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. I haven't done it yet. I'm, I'm thinking of thinking about it, but I also want to be able to spread awareness about sarcoma because mm -hmm. it's such a rare and aggressive cancer. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows about it. Mm -hmm. So I would love for sarcoma to be as well-known as breast cancer, mm -hmm. to be as well-known as prostate cancer. And I think it'd be amazing because it, all, it, it, it affects young little children, wow. 14 and, and younger. So those are the, the age frames or the ages that this cancer will appear. Mm -hmm. Really important to expose that and let people know so your child can live a nice, happy, full life. Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, it doesn't happen to everybody. However, when it does, it's very devastating. And cancer doesn't just affect the person who has it. It affects mm -hmm. the entire family and the people connected to it. Right. So I would love to spread as much awareness as I can um, with and about sarcoma. Mm -hmm. And are there any warning signs or symptoms that people should look out for for that? Yes. If you have a lump, like mm -hmm. um, larger than a golf ball, mm -hmm. You need to get that checked out. Mm -hmm. So that is probably the most um, persistent, like one that you can you can see is like more tangible. And then mm -hmm. the other ones are you're breaking bones really easily. You're just so lethargic. You're exhausted and tired. Um, and the tumors, the tumors that are that will pop yeah. up. So, but mostly it's the tumors that people need to be aware of and looking out for. And okay. it happens with children from 14 and younger normally. Interesting. Wow. And what about people who I know my grandma was like this and even as things are popping up, they would rather, I'd rather just not know, or they're afraid of going to the doctors. I mean, I, I'm sure you would say early detection is really key to saving lives. Uh, same with this, right? Yeah. You know, I feel like I've met a lot of people who have said that. Mm -hmm. And then when it's time and it's too late, mm -hmm. that they would have 
found out sooner or they wish they would have um, had some sort of screening that would have let them know this might be a potential possibility. So I don't feel like they really, really mean that until they are on their deathbed. Yeah. A different story. So I would say don't even listen to them. Get them yeah. checked anyways. Yeah. Yeah. An appointment and get looked at because mm-hmm. you're if, if you're not helping yourself and looking out for yourself, what about your family members? Your mm-hmm. mom is watching, your dad is watching, your child is watching. You're robbing everybody still of a full and happy life of you being present with right. them. That can that causes trauma. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's kind of like anything in life. There's a lot of very scary, unknown things that we'd rather, you know, hide and put our head in the sand and not deal with. But uh, we have to do them because, again, we were just talking. You only have one life. And if if you can go and I know it's scary, but if you can get some answers and maybe some early treatment and uh, have your life as a result, then it's going to be worth being afraid and being nervous. Exactly. It is. And really, too, also, if you think about it, if you do have something going on with you in your body, you're subconsciously still thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Consciously, it, it depends. But you're still thinking about it. And then that manifests into something else. So you might be getting sick all the time or your hair might be falling out or you might be irritable and stressed all the time. If you don't know what the root cause is of what's really going on, you're kind of like neglecting it. It still comes out. It just mm-hmm. might not be verbally. Yep. But the symptoms are still perpetuating and it's not healthy for your body. Right. So yeah. the, the best and safest thing to do is get it, che- get it checked out. Go get looked at, go to the doctors, go make an appointment, have somebody test, run some tests on you, do something because that's the best answer yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Take care of your body. We only got one life, one body. Take care of it, respect it, honor it, and yes. get, yeah, get those checkups, get anything unusual. Uh, I think your your brain and your body just, ha- you know, and also to a lot of people, you just, if something doesn't feel right and a doctor is blowing you off, I think still just, just keep going until you find someone who, who can help you. Um, you know yourself best. So get it checked out and, and, and save, save your life. So, oh, Randy, you're amazing. I cannot wait for people to read your book and, and check out more about you. Um, if people want to find you on social media, can you uh, say the name of your website again and any socials you're on? So my website is www.brandy with an I L Benson.com. And then my social media is brandy at brandy L dot Benson for Instagram. And then all the same, all across on Twitter, on uh, Facebook. So super easy handle. Great. Well, guys, check out her book. She is an inspirational story. And hopefully after watching this, you're inspired to just live your best life and 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 try to achieve some of those things that you've always dreamed of. Because again, we don't know. We are all blessed with today. And that's all that's all that we have. So trying to just do the best you can and doing it sooner than later and taking care of yourself and loving people, just all of all of the goodness. So um, thank you so much for your time today. I can't wait to again, share your story with everyone. And you're, you're so inspiring. You're doing amazing things. So continue health and happiness through this year and beyond. Thank you. You too. And I'm very grateful for this opportunity to speak on your platform and share my story. So thank you so much. Thank you. I'll be down to Florida to visit you soon. (laughs) That would be great. I'll show you around the city. Amazing. I love some Miami in my life. Thanks again. All right. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for joining me on this latest episode of Kelly's Reality. 
If you can't wait until our next session, you can find more information, articles, and advice on my blog at kellysreality.com. I'm also located on social media at the same handles. Now get off my couch, go home, and I'll see you at the next appointment.